What's going on you gracefully gorgeous groundhogs? Welcome to this week's episode of Total Pod Mode. My name is James, also known as Mr. Bames, and I'm joined as always by the wondrous Will, also known as Hoodafunk. Heyo! Coming up this episode, we've got our catch-up as usual, we've got a bit of news. Uh, unfortunately, it's not all good. We've had uh, something officially being deaded. Can I say deaded? Yeah, <laughs> why wouldn't you be able to say deaded? I don't know, I, I don't know <laughs> In this allowed. crazy day and age of uh, referring to things that are unalive. Exactly, or asleep. <laughs> sleep? Yeah, I've seen just like, yeah, they're sleeping now. It's like, they're but sleeping. that's the subtitle and they say, but yeah, he's died. Temporarily, permanently sleeping unalive. Yeah. Right. Yeah, just, yeah, it's weird. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. But anyway, there's something coming up that's been deaded. <laughs> Um, unfortunate news of yet more layoffs, um, but there is potentially some light at the end of the tunnel with uh, an update from a very, very, very big developer. And we round out this episode with sort of what we've got planned in the early stage of 2024. But before all that, let's hit those socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore tpm so it's that time once more what you've been playing this week man yeah so uh there's a couple games i've been playing this week uh, i wanted to kind of picking up from last week talk a little bit about cyberpunk 2077 very nice still enjoying it yeah absolutely yeah I'm, I'm still kind of pushing through i haven't made a great deal of progress in terms of the story but i have been doing a lot of exploring and leveling up wanton acts of violence you know the good stuff yeah usual shit have you been sort of collecting cars and things like that as well? Or vehicles in general? Not so much. Uh, the primary way of getting new vehicles in the game seems to be through uh, buying them from the online marketplace. And uh, they're pretty pricey. And I've been kind of mostly indulging kind of petty theft and uh, acts of grievous bodily harm. You know, not really high earning stuff. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, standard outlaw stuff. Yeah. Nothing major. A bit of common murder, you know. Mother, I crave violence. So uh, one of the uh, things that I've been doing in the game is tracking down some of uh, people that are labelled as cyber psychos. And uh, in the lore of this game, they're people that have heavily modded themselves. By I mean modded themselves, I mean grafting chunks of metal to augment your abilities. A lot of people are very cybernetic in this universe. Uh, you know, I feel like I'm kind of covering old news. Most people are probably aware of that. But anyway, uh, these people have chromed themselves up so much that they've kind of lost their minds uh, and they're absolutely tripping. So you can go in and attack these people, fight them. Violence! It sounds like it's potentially possible to uh, subdue them without killing them lethally as well. I know it's possible in the game if you sneak up behind someone, you can make that decision whether to make it a lethal or non-lethal takedown. But um, I didn't choose to do it in the couple of occasions that I've done it. And the person over the radio has opted saying, it's a shame you couldn't have taken them in passively. We could have probably got some more information out of it rather than just kind of scavenging their remains. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, can you not hack them? If they're that cybernetic and you were talking very highly of the hacking skills, it'd be great if you could hack them. You probably can. However, a lot of the times your more offensive hacks that you can do in the game are actually traceable. Much like you're able to hack into someone else, they're also able to trace that source back to you and figure out your exact location as well. So Even if you use like NordVPN or something like that to yeah. cover your IP. Oh, I see. You're stretching for a, a sponsorship now. No, I, I wasn't. Like I, just, uh, no. As an, I mean, fair play. You that, do, that abs, mate, I would have no 
problems being sponsored by NordVPN right now. Uh, you know, 20 is that are listening up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, NordVPN, no it, it can double up as that, but what I really meant was actually like a, just a VPN in general. Other VPNs are probably available. <laughs> other VPNs. We're also open to other VPN sponsors as well. Yes. Certainly. Sub Surfshark, what are you saying? <laughs> Keep your North VPN fetish away from me. Uh, so it probably is possible to use one of those VPN abilities later down the line if I've invested more into the Netrunner abilities. Um, however, at this point, I'm just not there yet. Um, I, I, you probably can make some of these more powerful abilities untraceable. But for now, I'm kind of limited to giving away my position if I decide to, I don't know, suddenly overload someone's circuits or something like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Speaking of the Netrunner abilities, I've also been using those in some of the other side gigs that you can do in the game. What sort of side gigs are those? So a lot of those typically involve breaking into a gang hideout, uh, finding an important stolen piece of information or technology. A lot of the storylines in Cyberpunk kind of revolve around uh, gangs and criminals uh, stealing off of corporate entities and sort of reappropriating high-powered technical uh, machinery and stuff like that for criminal activities instead. Exactly. Well, isn't your character V is meant to be a criminal? I know you can sort of take it either way, but you're born into that sort of thing. Yeah. For the most part, you're kind of like a street gangster, really. You're pretty self-serving. You don't really have any real allegiances other than to, you know, your friends and those close to you. But uh, for the most part, you're definitely kind of set up to be engaging in this criminal activity from the get-go. You're definitely not interested in pursuing the corpo lifestyle. That said, I never did actually pursue the corpo start to the game. Uh, the corporate start to the game, so um, I don't actually know how that turns out. I assume that the corpo start to the game means that you suddenly become disillusioned and decide to start doing petty crimes and smuggling instead. Yeah, or you get fired and <laughs> yeah. you just want to fight back. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Uh, yeah, I'll have to give that a, a look in at some point in the game. That was kind of like my Starfield character. I started with the whatever that uh, background was, I started with that one. Kind of a wastelander sort of thing. No, it was like the corporate one. Oh, right, yeah. I remember what it was. Like, you used to work in business or something <laughs> and i got called a corpo by someone i think that's what that's what jogged my memory of it right, right sorry random but going back to those netrunner abilities some of the other side gigs in the game uh, involve you as i say breaking into these hideouts and i've been experimenting with seeing just how far you can get without necessarily going into the place first so Typically, a lot of that time, you can access the security system by hacking into one of the cameras. And from there, you can ping a central network, flick between all of the security cameras that are on site. So before you've even entered a building, you can already go inside it. Any rooms that have security cameras, you can ping all of the enemies. You can ping all of the access terminals. You can ping doors, windows, everything that you really need to have scoped out the building before you go inside. And at that point, you can also, through those cameras, hack into the enemies in the same way that you can if you make visual eye contact with them. Okay. So you can actually overload people's circuits and do all of that stuff whilst still completely in stealth from an alleyway across the road. It's really impressive. That's really cool. I actually got down to the point where I was causing distractions in rooms and then overloading uh, tactically placed gas canisters <laughs> and things like that. And I cleared out probably just over half of the hideout's enemies through triggering random explosions and just causing loads of chaos inside the building. Nice. Really, really satisfying stuff. And it just goes to show just how effective and well implemented those net running abilities are that you can kind of do a lot of your combat, uh, not through stealth, not through direct combat, but actually 
just pure hacking. It's really cool stuff. Yeah, and you're not that far into the game, so God knows how far that will go. You'll yeah. probably get some really cool things later down the line. Exactly. And as long as you do stuff that doesn't necessarily interact directly with the enemies, like, as I say, overloading their circuits or shutting down their vision temporarily and things like that, you're completely fine. You're not going to be traced if you've kind of hacked and rigged a canister to go off or some sort of explosive chemical to happen. It's only when you interact specifically with a person. So you can be luring people all around a room by making different things malfunction and, and trigger to lure them away. And you can also do stuff like unlock doors as well. So doors that you'll go into in the building that you wouldn't have been able to unlock through either physical force if you're not strong enough, or if you don't have the technical ability to unlock the door, then you can still, through your hacking vision, just unlock the doors that way as well. So there's several ways that you can actually access the building. That's cool. I like stuff like that. This all kind of led me to... As I say, clearing out about half of the hideout uh, without ever having stepped foot inside, disabling all of the security systems, and then I opened a window at the very top of the building, which I was able to use some rubbish outside to climb on top of and get through a window. Took out the one person in the control room, and at that point, the key item that I needed to complete the quest was right in the room where I was. If I wanted to, I could have just completed the quest, hopped out the room, and no one would have ever seen me. <laughs> very, very cool stuff. Um, that's really opened my eyes to the different things you can do in the game and just how sneaky you can be without ever needing to do the whole stereotypical crouching, sneaking behind someone, lethal, non-lethal takedowns, all that kind of stuff that we've done a million times before. It's possible to do in the game, but you can achieve stealth through other ways as well. Had a really, really good time with it. That definitely uh, kind of hit a keynote in my brain where I started to really engage with the game. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how that develops. And as you say, if I'm just at the beginning of the game now, I'm looking forward to seeing what I can do in terms of Netrunner abilities towards the end of the game. Exactly. I think that's all I've really got to speak on in terms of Cyberpunk. But the other game that I wanted to mention as well is The Finals, which I did, uh, as I mentioned last week, I said that I'll put some time into that, which I have done. Yes, and how are you finding it? You were very excited before. Does that excitement still hold true now? I think so, yeah. Generally, the game plays really well. Um, it shows a lot of polish. It controls well. The shooting feels on point. I would compare the shooting somewhat similar to Battlefield. Obviously, that goes hand in hand with the level destruction that's possible in the game as well. Although the class system feels very distinct and closer to something like Team Fortress. Because your characters, you can choose the light, the medium, or the heavy class. The heavy class has an ability where he can smash through walls and floors. And uh, he gets like a sledgehammer that he can use to destroy structures. The medium class uh, is kind of like a bit of a support class with medic style abilities, starts off with a healing gun. And then the light class has uh, kind of like zipping around abilities and an invisibility uh, type move that they can pull off as well. So they're kind of like sneaky darting and around characters. A lot like the Scout is in Team Fortress. Right, got you, got you. And from what I've read online, apparently the heavies are a bit OP. Is that correct? I mean, they do have a hell of a lot of health. But at the same time, if you're playing with a coordinated team, you can absolutely melt one if you focus fire. So I wouldn't say that they're too overpowered. I would say that you just need to play every class to their strength and you need to recognize ways of dealing with that class as well. If you try and take on a heavy on a 1v1, you're just not going to be able to do it unless you're another heavy. And even then it does rely on various other factors like your team being able to stop another team from pressing you from another angle as well. It's a very fast and frantic game and because of the fact that people can suddenly burst through walls and blow things up and drop the objective through the floor, which is what we've done on several occasions. If there's an objective high up in a building, you can shoot the floor with rockets to make it fall and make it easier for you to capture. Nice. There's a lot of tactics in this game as well, but that does lend to like a very frantic gameplay experience a lot of the time. 
and a lot of uh, third partying in a way as well. Uh, there's going to be a lot of situations in that game where you'll be fighting one team and then a third team will swoop in, which makes things very difficult as well. And you almost need to be quite on point in terms of judging the flow of the combat, where it's going. Is it best to actually retreat away from the objective because you're getting pushed by another squad? Let them fight it out and then rejoin at the end, sort of thing. It's a it's a very tactical game. And how many teams are in each round, if you like? Uh, so one of the game modes has three v three v three. Okay, so three teams. Three teams. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the other one has four teams as well. Four teams. Okay, and it's always three. A team of three. It's always teams of three. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And and the game modes sort of revolve around capturing money, as we said. It's kind of like a futuristic, almost televised entertainment show sort of thing. When you kill players, they cascade into golden coins, and instead of sort of falling over in a violent way they just burst into coins almost like mario or scott pilgrim so it's child friendly good nice more or less yeah i would say so yeah <laughs> i'd rather my uh, imaginary kids play uh that than call of duty or something like that i guess fair play one of the other cool things that i wanted to pick up was this game's use of the tactical grenades as well as gas barrels in the game because aside from all of the combat you can actually pick objects up as well and this can range from things like rubbish bins in the game random desks chairs all sorts of different things just objects in the environment that you can pick up that also includes uh, things like player trophies as well if you're going to revive a teammate as you die you burst into something that looks a little bit like a colored oscar figure of your character okay you're able to run over pick that up and revive them in a safe place you don't necessarily need to revive them exactly where they died you can pick up that little trophy carry it away to safety and then revive them there. Can you also use it as a weapon? You can pick it up and shoot it at people, yes, and it does do damage, yes. Excellent. <laughs> They've thought of everything. <laughs> they did. And going back to what I was saying about some of the gas barrels and things on the level, uh, there's flame barrels, there's gas barrels, and there's also goo barrels. Goo. Yeah, goo, yeah. Sounds like it's going to work like Slag did in Borderlands. No, it's it's more like expanding foam that creates a cover. So when you shoot these goo barrels into the ground, it can build up some sort of barrier that fills in the space. So typically when you shoot one on the ground in a straight line, it will just create a wall of goo that you can climb over, but it's very difficult to shoot through and you need to kind of get rid of it. Is that the stuff that you have to burn? Yes, exactly that. I think yeah. you may have spoken about this when you first talked about the finals on the pod. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Unless I'm imagining things. No, 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 that's exactly right. And... By doing that, there's various weapons in the game, like flame grenades. You can get a flamethrower as certain classes as well. Um, and you can use that to burn away the goo as well. Uh, but it's the fact that you can pick up these barrels as you go around the game and they have these various properties. A lot of the time, it's a good idea to carry one of these because one of the best ways to start an engagement is by setting an enemy on fire or blowing them up or poisoning them for a few seconds. Or lobbing a barrel at them. Yeah, exactly. Just even lobbing just any heavy object in the game at them, it does a significant amount of damage that it's worth attempting before you start emptying your clip. It's, it's essentially just kind of like a free hit um, without having to spend any bullets. Bit of knockdown as well, maybe? There's no knockdown, no. There's, oh, that's a shame. I don't That'd think cool. there's any knockdown. There may be knockback if you're one of the lighter classes, but because I've been playing as the heavy, I don't know whether I'd have necessarily yeah, noticed fair, it yeah. as much. It sounds like they've thought of a lot of things, man. It sounds like it's quite cool. It really, really is. And, and, just speaking to that as well, um, those item interactions that we talked about just a second ago, uh, as I said, you can use the fire to burn the goo, but then if someone has lobbed a Molotov in there to burn the goo, that sets everything on fire as well. So you can actually use smoke grenades to put out the fire. Oh, that's cool. There's various item interactions in the game that can happen like that, that can prevent players from using certain strategies or that can cancel each other out in a bit of a rock, paper, scissors style. Nice. So it really does add to the tactics of it and probably makes it crucial that you're actually talking to your teammates and not just 
playing in a random group. I think so, definitely. Yeah, uh, one of the key things in this game is communication and, and teamwork. And if you're just playing with randoms, I think that you're going to have quite a difficult time coordinating because it's so easy to get steamrolled by teams that are sticking together and coordinating that if you don't do that, a 1v1, I think, is just always a bad idea in this game, really, because of the way that the class matches up and the massive disparity in health. Unless you're playing as a heavy class, there's no way to guarantee that unless you get an amazing jump on someone and a really good head start, that you're actually going to be able to take them out without them turning around and just killing you, purely because as a lighter class, your health is shorter than theirs. So all of that lends towards working together as a team. Yeah, makes sense. It sounds like you have been and doing quite well. Um, I, I wish I could say... I've been doing well at this game. Uh, uh, I was trying to build you up. <laughs> I was hoping you'd come in and go, do you know what? Yeah, it's been pretty good, man. I've been playing really well. We've had a couple of wins. I can't lie. We, we have had a couple yeah, of wins. But I think that uh, with the amount of games that are going on, as I say, it's very frantic as well. It does take a minute or two to get used to the pace of this game. Uh, for me, coming from something like Call of Duty, this feels like I'm dipping a little bit back into Apex Legends, where you have to be a bit faster thinking and a bit more mobile. But yeah, um, that's pretty much me for the catch-up, man. I've uh, been having a good time with those couple of games. Uh, I probably won't have much of a chance to play those over Christmas, so I'm kind of cramming in as much time as possible on them uh, before the break. What about yourself? You've been busy this week? I have been busy this week, but uh, not as much gaming as I would have liked. I did manage to get some gaming in, though. and uh, That's good. It's an improvement on the last couple of weeks. <laughs> the final Wolong DLC came out this week at the time of recording. So I managed to put a bit of time into that. Um, in terms of content itself, it feels like the most complete one, if that makes sense. Although I still think it's just as short. I think this one feels like the most complete DLC they've done so far because it's actually set after the events of the main campaign. Right, so you're not covering old ground. Well, it's not so much covering old ground, but it's more it's not just interspersed back into the story and feels like it's just cut content that they didn't have time to finish. Yeah, I want to see progress. Yeah, this one actually feels like its own story a little bit. But it is very short. All of the DLCs have had three main battlefields, so levels, and like maybe seven subquests, I think it is. Okay. And I've probably put in four hours or so, and I've done two of the battlefields. I'm on the final boss of the DLC, and I've done, I think, the three or four sub-battlefields that I've unlocked so far. Right, right. So content-wise, it's not, it's still fairly light, but this one feels, to me, like the best one. Uh, every single one so far has introduced one new weapon type, and this one's weapon type was the whip. All right, okay, yeah, that's a nice addition. It's a cool addition, and I've been having a lot of fun with it, so I think that also helps me think that this is the best one of the three. But ultimately, it's just more Wolong, which, if you like Wolong, is excellent. But if you don't like Wolong, or if you're if you're expecting something a bit different, it's probably not going to excite you too much. Particularly as I think again, I didn't actually look look this time, but I think again, it's probably a ten pound on its own. Right. Okay. And yeah. that is and that is too much for what you get. Still not great value for money then. But it does sound like there is a few cool additions to the game that are probably worthwhile getting for certain players. If, if you enjoyed Wolong, then it's more Wolong, and then, you know, that's great. I think for me, the whole addition of the whip kind of speaks to me. That was one of my favourite weapons in Bloodborne. Uh, I liked mucking around with it in the Dark Souls games as well. It wasn't particularly effective, but I uh, had a good time mucking around with it still. It's crap in Dark Souls, yeah, you're right. But it's, uh, you know, it's it's a playstyle. It's something. <laughs> but the thing with Wolong is you can kind of use any weapon. Yeah. Like there's all sorts of weapon types in it, and they're all viable in their own way. The whip's great because it's got loads of range. Right. So you're just slapping things about, and I, at least I think it is. Also helps that the whip that I found um, scaled with the two skills that I've invested in for my 
dual swords, so I was getting good damage with it too. Is it a bit like Bloodborne in the sense that it covers a lot of range and you can hit multiple enemies? When you say Bloodborne, do you mean the um, threaded cane when it's in its threaded form? Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's kind of like that, yeah. So it's it doesn't necessarily go as high vertically as that did, but you do get a lot of horizontal range and right. sweep with it. Okay. Um, some of the special attacks, or I think they're called martial arts in Wolong, they do do the sort of attacks you might see from Bloodborne with that um, version of the weapon. Sure thing. Just flailing everywhere. But it's more just like whips and like long sweeping motions. Right, right. Any notable bosses or anything like that that you want to mention? Not necessarily notable, but I would say that this DLC has in my opinion, the same problems that certainly the last DLC had. I can't actually remember the first DLC, so I don't know if that was the same problem. <laughs> Is the problem that uh, they're not particularly memorable boss fights? Or? No, it's not necessarily that they're not memorable. It's more that in the final boss of the last two, certainly, it just feels like there's a lot of spam and it doesn't necessarily feel quite as good as I remember the fights in the main game feeling in terms of being quite fair. Right. There, uh, you know, it is fair because you can beat it. But there are moments where it's just like, oh, oh my God, are you really going to be this quick with all your combos and just like keep spamming it? And yeah, it's, it's, but that might just be me being frustrated by it because they are tough. But I do remember distinctly feeling that the DLCs were quite spammy and the main game, I thought all of the bosses were very fair. I suppose that can be a little harder to deal with when you're talking in terms of sort of Elden Ring and Dark Souls. But I guess in Wolong, perfectly parrying does add to their sort of poise break bar doesn't it so even though they are spammy i suppose if you are timing things you're always working towards progress whereas uh i'm just thinking back to is it millennia's boss fight in elden ring where she was kind of spammy but you just couldn't do anything until she finished her combo and you were making no progress in terms of damage either. Uh, she does have that one move where you just have to let her go. <laughs> yeah. Even when she like kind of finishes her actual moveset, she just stands still for a second and there's just an extra spam for no reason. No, it's, it, it's kind of like that in the sense of, because I agree with you on the point of perfect parrying, but it's more like they'll finish a combo, you go to attack, and before your animation can even activate, they've started again, and you, therefore, right. and you can't parry at that point because yeah, you've no. started attacking. You've committed, yeah. It's more like that, because when you know, Wolong is one of the most satisfying fine games to play when you're in flow yeah and you're getting those parries down it's Definitely. brilliant but I agree with you there when i say that it's spammy to me that is in wolong specifically you don't have time to set your rhythm mm. because you try and attack and then they just you get stun locked yes yeah. yeah or you certainly get a lot of hits and because they all hit so hard and i didn't know there was a level cap in wolong oh yeah no i wasn't aware no what is it it caps at 150 until you get to a certain point in new game plus or new game plus plus which i didn't know about oh fine okay i thought you could just level as long as you had the experience but uh so that was a bit of a shock as well but it also means i can't increase any skills or anything to get more damage um so i mean i've got past phase one but i haven't done phase two yet it just went all over the place it's like a big flying thing with loads of laser beams and shit. i was like god damn like this is <laughs> this is pretty crazy sounds cool though it sounds like a cool boss oh yeah they're, they're all cool i just need to beat them and i will i'm not i'm not gonna let them take away my hundred percent they, they've got it currently <laughs> but i'm working my way back to it so i'll get there how many more dlcs do they have planned for wolong or is this the final one as far as i know no more i think that's right it. okay okay um whether that means it's just it for this season pass thing that I, or the thing i got with the um version of the game i bought i don't know but i think it probably is for now at least going to be the last dlc unless there's like a, a massive demand that they sense for more dlc um but uh right 
Fair enough. Okay. So this this sounds like it should have been the cherry on top sort of thing, which in in some ways it sounds like it perhaps is. It's not developing any more or less than any of the other uh, DLCs, is it? And uh, you know we've always had that query over the value for money, but uh, as you mentioned, seeing as you got the season pass. Uh, yeah, it's kind of in the past, really. Exactly, it's done. I can't do anything about it. And what I will say is, because I really like Wolong, for me, it is, it's worth it. It was worth it. I, I like having these extra missions. Once I've done them all, I'm probably going to put Wolong down for like quite a long time. But when I do eventually go back to it, it'll be nice to play all, through all of it in chronological order. Right, yeah. Like, that'll be cool to me when I finally go back and I do a new character, because I'm still on the... F for, strangely enough, for a Against game the character Against all creator, odds. My God. This is actually the first character that I ever created as well. I didn't restart a bunch of times. <laughs> Damn. As far man. as I remember, unless I'm misremembering, I might, I probably did, but I'm just misremembering. But, <laughs> but yeah, it feels like it's an OG character and uh, it's, it's got me this far and I look forward to getting my 100% back with it. But that is all I've had time to play this week. So that is me for the catch up. So I think it's about time we moved on to this week's gaming news. So with our first news story this week, E3 has officially been confirmed as dead or cancelled. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh yeah! Perhaps not surprising this one, given the last few years, but organisers have finally given up on bringing E3 back from the dead, stating that it is officially cancelled. According to the Washington Post, Entertainment Software Association, the ESA, President Stanley Pierre-Louis stated that it's difficult to say goodbye, but it's the right thing to do. We know the entire industry, players and creators alike have a lot of passion for E3. We share that passion. We know it's difficult to say goodbye to such a beloved event, but it's the right thing to do given the new opportunities our industry has to reach fans and partners. Well, it sounds like they're not really taking hold of any of those new opportunities. They're just cancelling it altogether. <laughs> now, you see, to me, that's saying, yeah, you know, we, we wish we could still do E3, but other people do it better now, so... I do think that the positive reception of things like the Game Awards uh, probably did factor somewhat into this decision. It's a popular event, it has been, and it's been successful for the last few years. You know, not without its, you know, <laughs> awkwardly cringe moments that are always present at these sorts of things. But I think that that probably has contributed to the fact that E3 is uh, closing its doors, sadly. Yeah, it is sad. But as we say, it's not surprising. E3 2023 had already been cancelled, with both an in-person event and a virtual event ruled out in March of this year. Which means that the final in-person event was 2019, and the final virtual event was 2021. And that brings an end to a 27-year run, with the first E3 having been held in 1995. So it is quite, you know, it's been quite a good innings for them, really. So it is kind of sad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a sad day for the industry, given how prestigious E3 used to be. However, the writing has been on the wall for a number of years now. This didn't surprise me. It was unfortunate that it's officially been cancelled, but it didn't surprise me for that very reason. But all is not lost, Will. We still have all those directs, the Summer Games Fest, and the Game Awards, as you say. Uh, but, you know, F in the chat for E3. It's been a good run. It has been a good run. It has. I think that this is probably due to a, a loss in the uh, a loss in the popularity and the rise in the directs and and Xbox and Sony exclusive events. Uh, it's it's a shame that Evry couldn't have gone on to exist in some form though. There, there could be some way to keep it alive and kicking. But not these guys. They're not doing it. <laughs> but not this time. No, that's for sure. I think COVID had something to do with that as well. People were realizing they didn't need E3. I don't think that helped them. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Game Awards is just the new E3 basically it's just kind of taking the place of E3 
So that kind of flies in the face of the fact that E3 isn't the right thing to do because E3, uh, you know, as well as being a big massive expo uh, with a lot of people going to it, it also fulfilled that part that the Game Awards has now taken over as well. What, in terms of reveals, you mean? Yeah, in terms of reveals, showcases, and, and a handful of awards as well. I think that those sorts of things, along with the Summer Games Fest as well, they, they've just taken the place of E3. So from that standpoint, I'm thinking that it could have carried on. But obviously, in terms of having people that want to attend the convention, in terms of to showcase their new stuff, that's probably where E3 is struggling now, that they're finding these other venues to do it. And E3 no longer is kind of that gaming mecca yearly event that it once was. That first news story was uh, not the most positive thing in the world. And as we move on to our second news story, I'm afraid it doesn't get too much better. We've got yet more news of layoffs at Embracer. It just gets worse. It really does. So according to an article from Game Rant, even more Embracer Group studios are hit with layoffs as the gaming giant continues its aggressive cost-cutting efforts. That's one way of putting it, yeah. 3D Realms and Slipgate Ironworks, two Danish developers, have been hit with layoffs, with reports stating that at least half of all personnel from these two companies have been let go. Damn, 3D Realms is ancient. I don't know how much of the sort of original DNA is still kicking around at 3D Realms, but uh, yeah, that was a big name back in the day. Sad to hear that uh, both of those companies have been hit with losses, especially half of the workforce. Jesus. And the timing couldn't be worse either as we're in the run-up to Christmas. Sentiment shared by 3D Realms lead composer Michael Markey, who wrote in a post on X, For Christmas this year, I got laid off. On the 14th day of Christmas, my employer gave to me. It's worth noting he, there was more to that tweet. He did also say, like, if anyone needs a sound producer, hit me <laughs> up. Certainly can't, can't blame him for that. But the saddest thing about this, other than people losing their jobs, of course, it gets, is that, <laughs> There's more sad stuff? Well, no, it's more that what this has done. There, That's the sad story part of it. But with this latest batch of layoffs, it's taken Embrace's like H2 2023 layoff total past a thousand employees, essentially saying in the second half of this year, they've let go a thousand employees or more, which is staggering. It absolutely is. Didn't we cover earlier on that they'd let go of something like a third of their employees anyway? It was almost a third, something like that. I can't remember the exact number. We did cover that they were restructuring and that they needed to reduce the workforce to fit into this restructure or whatever. I don't know if we covered a number. I can't remember that, but even still, the fact that it's now past a thousand in the second half of the year alone, that's crazy to me. And I wish we could stop talking about stories like this, but they just keep on coming. <laughs> this is going to be probably go down in history as the most depressing, <laughs> depressing news section that there has ever been in the total pop mode history. It's not great, man. But, you know, despite 2023 being such a great year for gaming in terms of the number of hits that were released this year, and there were a number of hits released this year, let's be real. It's been a truly shit year for employees within the industry. It really has, especially the second half of the year. So uh, not really too much more to say on this, apart from, as always, our thoughts are with everyone affected, and uh, we hope it hasn't completely ruined their festive period. And as we move on to our third news story this week, hopefully something a little bit more positive after those two quite negative stories. Don't want to piss on everyone's parade this week. Um, but I guess it kind of depends what side of the coin you fall on, because <laughs> our third news story is that Naughty Dog are working on a new single-player IP, potentially. I say potentially, potentially one, potentially loads. So, as I say, ending the news on a more positive note, Naughty Dog may have cancelled The Last of Us multiplayer, much to the chagrin of some fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is tinged with a, <laughs> with a hint of bad news. Yeah, which I've just gotten out of the way, like, really, really quickly. Just sweep it under the carpet. <laughs> Factions 2 is cancelled, but... <laughs> 
but they are focusing on single player experiences which uh, fans of Naughty Dog will probably be quite excited about given the pedigree of Naughty Dog with single player experiences yeah exactly I don't think anyone's going to complain about the fact that they're pursuing more single player games even those that are a bit peeved about uh, Factions 2 being cancelled I think it's just due to the fact that Factions 1 was executed so well um, that uh, it's a bummer anyway let's let's move off of bummer subjects and on to <laughs> this interesting positive news story that you have for us today hopefully yes <laughs> anyway naughty dog layoffs <laughs> yeah yeah so because uh, they're now focusing on single player experiences they're laying off all the people that are working on fractions <laughs> yeah right oh jeez no it's not that. we jest but don't tempt fate yeah exactly <laughs> So according to GameRant once again, Naughty Dog already has more than one brand new single-player game in the works. This has excited some fans given Naughty Dog's pedigree, as I mentioned earlier, things like Last of Us and Uncharted, amongst others, being in their back catalogue. But this news has also been met with some scepticism by some, given Naughty Dog's focus in recent years has been more on remastering their older games. So for me, the main thing is that the phrasing of this announcement is interesting. The words brand new imply that the projects currently being worked on are not simply remasters which is great. And I think my early call on this is that one of them at least will be, and this isn't really like a hot take or anything because we've discussed it before, but I think that one of these brand new games is probably going to be a third entry into the Last of Us series. Yeah, yeah, they would almost at this point, given the sort of growing popularity of it, that they'd be silly not to follow the money on this one. Be very surprising if we didn't get a Last of Us part three at this stage in the game, especially with the TV show having come out and shortly going to be starting part two. Exactly. I mean, it feels like the natural thing to do. I know that many people have been clamouring for another Uncharted game as well. I mean, it could be something like that, even though I think that, that um, Naughty Dog co-president Neil Druckmann has said in the past they're moving away from it completely. Yes, I do remember it. Yeah, they were looking to move away from that IP. If the people want it enough, you never know. But honestly, I wouldn't hold my breath at that one, given Neil Druckmann's statements. Uh, but do you have any thoughts on... What else they could be working on? I think you know Naughty Dog a bit better than I do in terms of having played more of their games and things like that. What sort of things would you like them to go into if they're doing a brand new IP? Well, I was just about to say, I think that it would be quite nice from this news uh, to, to get a bit of a sense of if they're starting a new IP. I'd be keen for them to move away and do something entirely different. I'm not really sure what I would like them to take a stab at, though, really. I mean, uh, you know, without just kind of listing something that is quite separate from what they've already done already. I think that what they typically do is they do tell a good human story. So any way that they can implement that, uh, I think, will um, will probably be best suited. Whatever form that ends up taking, though, I've got no idea. I mean, they've, they've covered uh, in their early days sort of platformers and, and things like that with Crash Bandicoot. I was going to say, can they not do Crash Bandicoot? <laughs> the rpg crash bandicoot rpg that would be really yeah. something that'd be jokes open world crash bandicoot game that'd be sick. <laughs> I, I really have no idea where they would uh where they would potentially go with this what would you say some of their best game mechanics are from the games you've played do you think like are they good combat games i think that uh one of the in recent memory the combat mechanics that i really like is the fluidity of going between stealth and action that they do in last of us and the way that the melee system in the game kind of goes from a quite cinematic thing, but it does it so seamlessly. that They're very high-octane, intense games to just watch, even, um, because there is so much that can potentially happen, and it all happens so seamlessly without uh, a load of typical conventional video game things happening, like you having to mash all the time. There's a dodge button, and 
and there's all of that that happens, but it just seems to happen very quickly and seamlessly. So with that in mind, what style of game would you like to see those mechanics implemented in? And that can be what Naughty Dog can create for you. Well, you know, it would be cool to see them try their hand at something that has a bit more of a melee focus. Uh, Last of Us obviously does have a quite a strong melee focus depending on how you want to play the game uh, and the fact that they do place quite a lot of emphasis on conservation of ammo so i think it'd be quite interesting to see them try their hands at a melee focused game maybe we could see them go back in time i think that they would do although it's a bit played out now in terms of you know viking uh, mythology norse mythology that kind of stuff they've done a lot of it something like that but from a different point in time i think naughty dog probably do a very good job of there we go you heard it here first naughty dog's next game is going to be a historical fantasy game where they tell an amazing story about a elf and his daughter or something yes and you're only allowed to use melee weapons no guns no bows and arrows it's just melee oh my god that is amazing i can see it <laughs> i mean honestly no I think we might have struck a, struck something there. <laughs> and that's how we play the Generator Naughty Dog game game. <laughs> <laughs> so with that idea now in the universe, and Will set to make millions of pounds when he gets paid by Naughty Dog for making up that idea for them. Hit me up, Drugman. My DMs are open. <laughs> We're really shilling this episode, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, this is just, just like the sellout episode. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, that brings us to the end of the news this week. So now we don't move on to the... A game's challenge! But we do move on to an announcement. So as the year comes to a close, uh, we round out the year not with a games challenge because Will's already won the games challenge. Whee! Winner of the year, games challenge 2023, holder of the medal that I will get around to making maybe. That's a medal now, is it? A medal, a belt, something, a trophy, perhaps. Who knows? Who knows what it'll end up being, or who knows if I'll even get around to making one this year. As I say, the fact that I am holder of this currently anomalous... Uh, like reward thing that we've got going on here it, it might motivate me to actually get ahead and uh, make it this year <laughs> as i said that would be favoritism but i'd respect <laughs> it but no so because of that um we've got a couple of announcements for you as to what is happening in the coming weeks and months so over the coming weeks we're going to have our christmas episode and then we've got our new year's episode similar to last year we're going to look back at 2023 as a whole and look forward to 2024 talk about some things we enjoyed and we're also going to review this year's game challenge in its entirety but that's not all as we enter the new year we're also going to be returning to completionist corner the long-awaited highly anticipated return and what better way to return than to pick up the story that started it all and ended it all that's right if you've been with us since the beginning first of all respect we love you for that but also you'll know exactly what we're talking about here that's right ladies and gentlemen and everything in between we're returning to mass effect for mass effect 3 the final episode in the trilogy absolutely man i've been really looking forward to returning to this one it's time to finish off the og trilogy it certainly is we're going to be picking up the stories of jillian shepherd and julius shepherd once more the paragon and the renegade see how the stories play out, see how it ends. I don't believe you've played and completed Mass Effect 3 before. You might have played it. No, so I think that this one, unlike uh, Mass Effect 2 and 1, this one is a title that is almost completely new to me. I think I, I played for the equivalent of what is probably a demo of the game. So at this point, this one is completely new to me. We're covering completely new ground. Really looking forward to getting into this one. Looking forward to just seeing what the kind of the most refined and developed version <laughs> of this game should be. Yeah. That's a, a very fair way to feel. I, I've only played it once and I, I did finish it. It was the ending of my previous trilogy way back when. I do not remember this game 
at all like I remember the others. I'm sure it will all come back to me, but Mass Effect 2 is my favourite one, and Mass Effect 1 I've just played a lot more. Fine, okay. So I just know a lot better. This one I have literally played once. Right, okay, okay. I did my one playthrough, finished it. And a long time ago with that, so it sounds like we'll yeah. both be kind of, uh, in some ways, experiencing or going into a little bit of less charted territory this time around. A little bit, because I don't really remember too much. I remember how it ends, and I remember a couple of side quests, but I don't really remember too much leading up to that, so it's going to be quite fun. And I'm doing it completely differently this time. I, of course, am playing the Paragon character this time, whereas when I played it years ago, I was Renegade, like your playthrough. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, everyone's actually alive. Well, actually, to be fair, I kept everyone alive last time, but I kept the council alive this time, so it'll be interesting to see how that is different. Fine, yeah. And uh, I've done a few different things with my Paragon character in terms of how some side quests have ended and things that a couple of new options are going to be open to me, which I'm looking forward to. That's cool. Yeah, you'll be able to see uh, where your paths diverged and just what the end result exactly. of that is as well. And I'm hoping that I'll remember some differences between how things went down in Mass Effect as a Renegade and how they've turned out as Paragon in Mass Effect 3, because um, there's a lot of things that are going to be different. Well, I imagine that seeing as I'm playing the Renegade playthrough, and if you don't necessarily remember how they were back in the day when you played it i'll be there to remind you of exactly how things go down <laughs> with a pure renegade playthrough although speaking of my playthrough uh i think we're both kind of minded that i've probably cut myself out of a fair amount of content in mass effect 3 depending on how they, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> depending on how they decide to actually deliver it just because of the fact that my crew got absolutely decimated through no fault of my own i was just well that's that's following not quite true orders, following my own orders as commander shepherd <laughs> you know they sacrificed their lives in most cases willingly most cases yeah most, most cases, cases willingly so yeah i mean it's going to be very interesting to see how things play out from my perspective because not only will i just be playing a completely different angle than james in some cases there just won't be the people alive to give me the missions i'm assuming well there's that and also the, this game introduces a new system called war assets oh well i'm, I'm my assets are dwindling that's for sure you will have a lot less war assets because <laughs> you don't have certain characters to like i believe jack died in your one yeah i was bummed about jack dying because i thought that uh, jack was going to be on my homie all the way through the trilogy into three at least anyway yeah i think that she's a pretty strong war asset you know what with being such a powerful biotic um, i might be misremembering that so don't hold me to it but things like that i don't think it will really matter you should still be able to achieve the mission in the game don't want to give away too many spoilers part of me wonders if they'll just kind of find a new quest giver and it just won't be the person that i knew but they'll just assign it to a new npc in the game and that will be the quest giver instead they might do that in some ways did you do loyalty missions for everyone in mass effect 2 Almost everyone. Almost everyone in Mass Effect 2, yeah. It just turned out that due to, once again, reasons that had nothing to do with the decisions that I made during that final mission, just a lot of my crew just randomly died for no reason. <laughs> just randomly. Despite the fact that I did all those loyalty missions. I perhaps, perhaps made the mistake that doing the loyalty missions was the only prerequisite to your crew surviving. I think that was kind of maybe one of the things that, in hindsight, I could have done a little better. You also didn't know about the point of no return. No, I didn't. And being a renegade character as well, I didn't quite understand that all these conflicts amongst your crew on the ship... I was kind of like fanning the flames, not really understanding yeah. <laughs> that that's not the thing to do. Because I'm like, renegade, we all hate each other, everyone's a wild card. Turns out uh, that's not the most conducive to a uh, to the functioning of your team. No, you need to resolve those, otherwise people get disloyal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turns out that's what happens. As you've heard there, we had a lot of fun with these characters, so what's not to love about going back, completing their story in Mass Effect 3? I'm I've, I'm looking forward to it a lot too, man. I've, I've, I've missed playing Mass Effect 2 when we were finished with it. I wanted to play Mass Effect 3 straight away 
I didn't for obvious reasons. So I'm now looking forward to playing that in the new year. So with that, we come to the end of the show and the end of regular programming for 2023. So as I mentioned earlier, we do have a Christmas episode coming up next week. But as this is our final regular show of 2023, we ask you once more to check out the following socials if you've enjoyed what you've listened to. You can, as always, find the podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pod Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on X, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on X at Mr. Bames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. So with that we come to the end of the show. Until next time, take care everyone. Goodbye. Bye now.